You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by Curiosoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. This is the Indie Game Development Podcast with Action here. How about you introduce yourself? Okay, I'm Cliff Harris. Uh, most people call me Cliffski. I've uh, been writing games forever, basically, but um, I've been a full-time indie developer only since last year, although I've done that before. And um, roughly that's roughly that's what's up. Okay, cool. Okay, Mr. Cliffski, how did you get into <laughs> games? Um, well, I'm... You know, I'm 36, so when I was a kid, the the kind of brand new games console was Pong, basically. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the first console I owned, you know, wasn't a PlayStation, it was a Binatone Pong machine. <laughs> and uh, the, the only options on there, you could adjust the size of your bats, and, and, and that was it, <laughs> you know, just like one game. So, I mean, I've been playing games pretty much since they were invented, really. Okay. Um but I, t- I took a long time out of uh, really being into it um, because I- I've had loads of kind of surreal careers in between. Okay. <laughs> so I-, I-, I haven't done the normal thing that people just like get into games as a kid and then they get into the industry. That that wasn't me at all. Okay. Well, so you started playing these games as a kid. Um, what what were your favorite games then? Um, what games like totally blew you away? Because Pong, I, I guess around that time... I think uh, like games pretty much progressed, you know, quite rapidly from Pong. Oh to, God, um, yeah, yeah. And so, was there anything that was like, "Wow, this inspires me," or was it more like, "Okay, well, this is pretty cool. I'm just playing games." Well, to be, I, mean, I was more into the programming of games than the playing them, um, to be honest, because I, I started trying to program games um, on the Sinclair ZX81, which I oh, think really? is just a British. I think that's a British thing. I'm not sure if. if uh, if you could get that outside of Britain, but okay. um, I must have been twelve, which is a awesome. bit well, it's a bit it's, it's a bit strange. And you only had one k of memory, so you you know you you couldn't do a lot, and and you'd actually be typing your code, and it would just stop, okay. and you think, oh my god, I, I've just I've, I've run out of RAM, um, <laughs> which is completely unheard of now, and you never run out of RAM, obviously. Um, okay. But back then you did, and you thought, "Wow, I, I, you know, I, I can't do that anymore." Um, so, so, yeah, I, I was more into into programming them. Awesome. Um, than well, playing. What, what was the first game you programmed then? Oh, it, it was probably some very lame attempt at a Space Invaders game. Oh, awesome! Um, I mean, with sixteen K, it's pretty hard, um, and especially in basic. I uh, back then I only learned. Sinclair Basic. I didn't learn assembly language okay. or anything like that, and and I never have, to be honest. Okay. Um, so I kind of gave up after a while and and went off and learned to play the guitar and did other stuff because I I just I lost interest for about ten years. Okay. Well, when you lost interest, were you still playing other games, or was it just pretty much a hiatus from games in general? Well, I, I was still playing games. I mean, mainly console games, not so much uh, PC. Um, okay. But we had an Intellivision console, 
um, and then eventually uh, like Sega Mega Drive and stuff like that. Okay. And it, it was shortly after that that I, I sort of got a half decent PC, and um, and then started trying to code them again. But but there there'd been a big gap basically between Pong and X-Wing, you know, which is okay. I don't know how many years. It's a long time. And what would you say is your uh, favorite console game from that time? Oh, favorite console? Well, um, or the most it, it memorable. Go, Probably Astro Smash, which no one will have heard of. I mean, it was it, it was a fairly rubbish kind of Space Invaders game with asteroids falling down, and then you'd have uh, you know spaceships going across and all that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but the reason I remember that is we were just quite addicted to it, and you were getting like ten points for an asteroid or something like that. And I remember scoring one and a quarter million points, <laughs> which would take, I think it took six hours. Uh, it was all all one game. Um, and you, you couldn't save the game or anything like that. You just had to keep playing, and you couldn't look away or anything like that. It was, it was probably incredibly bad for you. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, I just remember thinking, "Oh, I am the best at Astro Smash." Over a million points. It's 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 all rather sad looking back on it. Okay, cool. Now, um, how did you uh, get into indie games? Well, it's it's funny. I mean. I, I was kind of learning C programming kind of as a hobby and um, I couldn't actually get a job as a as a programmer on the basis that I, did, I wasn't already a programmer and I, I didn't have a I didn't have a degree in computer science so I did I did, I did a degree in economics so okay. I no nobody would give me a job so um, I was kind of writing games in my spare time just for the hell of it and at that point, I was working in IT, um, like IT support kind of stuff. Okay. And they, I mean, they started selling basically. I mean, I, 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 the first game that I did that ever sold anything was called Asteroid Miner. Oh. And okay. you know, some people, some people bought it, and I thought, hey, this is great. <laughs> well, um, okay. Well, let's let's focus on Asteroid Miner. What what inspired you to do that game? Specifically, as say compared to a Pong clone or some of these other more simple well, games. Well, I mean, it was it was asteroids. It's it's kind of the default game, I guess, for a lot of people that you kind of sit down and, and you just write an asteroids clone, you know, okay. because it's uh, it's one step up from Space Invaders, I think. <laughs> um, so I suppose two steps up from Pong, and so I just wrote asteroids. Um, okay. As a kind of hobby, and then I stuck some stuff in that you could upgrade your ship, and and and, and kind of made it up as I went along, and uh, and then declared it finished and, and put it on sale. Uh, but um, it, it wasn't very planned or anything like that. It's, okay. Well, what? They never what, were. What year was this? I think that was 1998. Okay. Or something and you like that. and you put it directly on the internet then? Yeah. I mean, the oh, only awesome. reason the, the reason I. Uh, it was easy for me to do it was that I was a, an IT contractor um, okay. so I already technically had a company um, set up for that and uh, so I had a website I thought what the hell why not have a website um, it, it's not at all planned it, it's completely yeah. strange so um, you know it was, it was quite an easy thing to do and back then there weren't as many uh, indie games coming out so without yeah, doing any exactly. marketing um, you know I, I didn't I didn't push it in any way, 
Um, but some journalists came across it and thought it was great because it was like multiplayer asteroids, effectively. Oh. Um, and so he raved about it in a magazine. And, and when you see a screenshot of a game you did, however bad it is, in, in a magazine, someone saying this is really cool, you know, that, that, that's fantastic. And uh, yeah. at that point, I got completely carried away and thought, I'll make a career out of this. Um, awesome. But I didn't. It, it, it all went completely wrong because I then quit my job to do it. And. Um, that that was a hilariously optimistic thing to do, because um, a year later I'd I'd run out of money and wasn't making any money, and I I had to go and get a real job. Okay. So uh, I I kind of tried to run before I could walk. I think. There. Well, um, how long was it before you got your first sale? When you first put it online, was it instantaneous? It, it wasn't. Um, yeah, it really wasn't long. It was. Oh, that's awesome. You know, it was uh, within a week. Oh, cool. Because um, back then you put it on download.com, which was free. Oh, okay. And that was the only website in the universe, really. So it was on there, and uh, people downloaded it, and they bought it. And uh, it was, you know, back then it was simple and, and easy. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was actually quite an easy thing to do then. Awesome. Um, so you get your sales, and you're inspired to now try this full-time. Yeah. Um, so once you started doing this full time, what I guess what was your game plan then? Was it more like you're going to make more games? You're going to start marketing? Did you start reading business books? Um, oh, you're kidding! No, no, okay. there, there was there was no plan. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people that do it now are a lot more organised, and you know they can go to the indie gamer forums, and people can kind of say, "This is what you should do," and here's a marketing plan, and this is how many sales this game gets. But I had absolutely no idea um, what I was doing at all. Um, but thankfully, I had a really, really good job at the time. So I kind of had a buffer money-wise. Okay. I, I could quit my job, and I thought, you know, I can do this for a year and uh, bound to make money within a year, um, which I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be okay. But because the first game had gone so well, I thought, you know, from here on in, it's, it's, it's going to be easy. Okay. Um, but no, that, that, that was a big mistake because I, I wasn't that good a programmer then. I'd never worked for a proper games company. I'd never seen how kind of real companies make games. Okay. So I was just bumbling along. So like a lot of the books on game design and game development or whatever really didn't um, appeal to you at that time. It was just more like, okay, let's just figure out what the next game is. Well, the thing is the, the books will tell you technically how to do it. Okay. You know, you can you can get a book and, and uh, you know, how do I program a sound engine? How do I program this? And I did, and I had tons of books on the technical side. But there were no real books on... The book that I should have read was um, called Code Complete. It's oh. got nothing to, do with, you know, nothing to do with game development, but just how to, you know, be a, a proper software developer. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't read that until far too late. You know, that, that should be the first book any, anyone reads because it actually teaches you that just because technically you can write some code that, that makes this thing go, go ping, okay. you know, that's, that, that's useless. It's, it's, it's got to be more organized than that. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, so after a year, you realize that uh, this isn't have no money. <laughs> um, did you finish another game in that year? Or was it... Yeah, yeah, okay. I did. What um, game was that? That was called Starlines, Inc., Oh, okay, and cool. th that had no plan. I'd, 
in, in fact, to this, not quite to this day, but um, for a long time, the, the project was just called Window App because I was just trying to write a windowed interface and an and excuse to stick it on a, on a game, um, as you do. And originally it was going to be based on like Ian Banks' books and you'd have spaceships that would reconfigure themselves in mid-flight and it was all very exciting. Um, but it ended up being Transport Tycoon in space. I don't really oh. know at what point that happened, um, but it did. And, uh, yeah, I finished that. I put that on sale and it, and it did sell in... It was one of the first games on uh, real games um, before they had real arcade. Uh, oh, really? Cool. And that was—I mean, they came. I think they asked me actually because th that was really early in the day. I mean, there were no portals. I mean, yeah. they were starting the first one, um, and you wouldn't get a game like that on there now anyway because it's not a, a casual game. But okay. back, th back then, I don't think they really knew that casual games were the thing, and they yeah. were like. Hey, it's a strategy space thing. That sounds cool. Let's, uh, you know, let's sell it. Um, and it did do well. I mean, you know, it, it sold those yeah. copies. It still sells today, um, yeah. but not enough to live on. Okay. So, um, so you finished that game, and uh, now you realize you have to get a real job. Then, so were <laughs> yeah. you were you deciding at that point? I mean, I guess what kept you still going, or were you thinking, okay, I'm just going to take a break from this, or that's it, no more games? <laughs> No, I, well, the real job that I got was a games company. Um, oh, awesome. You know, I didn't... Um, well, it worked out then. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of did. Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. Um, there's a company called Elixir. Uh, they did Evil Genius is what they're known for. Okay. Um, but they were doing a game called Republic the Revolution, uh, which kind of sunk without trace. But um, they made a big deal that they had an infinite polygon engine. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of... Like, People take the mickey out of them a lot for this now. Um, and I ended up working there. Because um, basically what I did is uh, I was so used to the fact that I'd never get a job as a programmer because I, yeah. I failed to get a job earlier. So I had this CV that was just loads of screenshots of games I'd done. Because uh, <laughs> I'd done a few other games as well, you know, and they hadn't sold either. But, but they looked okay. great. Um, so I just sent out the CV to loads of games companies uh, saying, you know, I did these, give me a job. Um, and, and loads of them said, yeah, come in for an interview immediately. Awesome. Um, because no one ever finishes a game. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so they were completely stunned. It, it was like, oh, so you've actually done all of these. And, and uh, it was like, yeah, yeah. Well, those additional games, did you do within the year that you were uh, going at it full-time, or is this even some well, other... It's, uh, I mean, when you, uh, you know, I'm at that age where I, I can't remember. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think towards the end of that, yeah, because I, I did Starlines Inc. And then um, I, I kind of tried to get into learning a bit of 3D stuff. And I, I did a, a racing game in oh, space. Okay. Um, and then I did a sort of ground-based version of the same game. Um, and, and this is the kind of, like, lead up to me working at Elixir was me kind of... Uh, you know, panicking and trying to write more games, thinking, "Hey, one of them will be a hit, and uh, I'll be okay." So, but but I never feel, I never stopped doing the indie indie games thing. Oh, okay. uh, I'm sure contractually, there's there's lawyers at the two companies I work for saying, "Oh, you're not allowed to do this." But I, but, yeah, yeah. I still, all, all the time I was at Elixir, at weekends, I, I'd be working on games, and I went from Elixir to Lionhead, um, where I did have 
bit of a kind of get out of jail free card where they said it was okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and um, and I was you know I was still writing games then, so I, I've never I've never stopped doing I've never stopped doing it from from basically back when I wrote that first game and sold my first copy. I've always I've always been doing it since then. Cool. So uh, you're working at Elixir, and uh, now you're working in a programming team, right? Yeah. So, so I guess, like, what are the differences? Was it a total shock? Um, did you learn a lot there? Um, explain your experience. I well, I I did learn a lot. I guess <laughs> it was very weird because I was very scared when I started, um, even though I was. I was probably older than most of them, and okay. uh, this is always the way, um, because it, Elixir was quite famous for being this kind of genius programming place, <laughs> and, and the guy that had started the company was like he was the he was he the British or the world chess champion when he was eight. I mean, I'm not <laughs> exaggerating. He used to disappear once a year to the uh, the, the Mind Olympics to defend his <laughs> title. And you know everyone there had like a PhD in artificial intelligence, or they, uh, you know, or, or, or something like that, or they they were like first class honors students from from Cambridge. I think they had several of them. Okay. Uh, and, and then there was me, and you know I didn't even have a degree in anything, and certainly not computing. Um, but I had okay. finished games, and which is better than ninety nine percent of the people, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's actually a miracle. I mean, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of balanced out because there were all these really clever guys there that, that knew a load of incredibly clever stuff that I I didn't understand. I, I, I still don't understand how to do 3D programming. I just don't. Um, uh -huh. Or the physics or, or all of that kind of stuff. And I don't understand really low-level stuff. Um, and, and all these people knew how to do that kind of thing. But none of them really uh, knew how to pull it all together and, 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 and finish the thing. Yeah. Um, which is why their first game took, I don't know, it was like six years or something stupid. Um, you know, it went on forever and, 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 and didn't make any money. Um, uh, and then they did, they did better after that. But it was, it was a little bit weird. I did learn a lot. I, I learned what the hell source control was. Um, oh, okay. yeah, cool. You know, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. And actually, this will make a lot of people laugh, thinking, how on earth did you manage? Um, I learned what a debugger was. Oh, you know, okay. I mean, I didn't know. I, I'd write my code. If it would crash, I'd look at the code and think, well, what the hell is wrong? Because back then it was all direct draw, full screen. I had one monitor, no remote debugging. Wow. Um, I couldn't tell what had gone wrong. And this whole idea of stepping through code was just a miracle. <laughs> it was like, wow, you can actually tell what's going on. Um, which is hilarious because, you know, everyone knows this now. But... Um, but I, I had no idea, so so God knows um, if I'd ever have really learned how to properly uh, work in a development environment if I hadn't gone and worked somewhere sensible, I guess. Okay. So so you learned a lot of the software engineering aspects at Elixir then. Well, well, it's it, it's mm, yeah. I mean, you have to be diplomatic about these things. I mean, looking back on it. Um, they did some crazy stuff that is insane, um, because they they hadn't done. I think once you've done a game, yeah, um, you look back on the code and or I do, and you think, what the hell were you thinking? You know, this is this is awful. 
and, and several times I, I've looked back on early games of mine, um, right up until <laughs> the last one. The only game I can really bring myself to work on, uh, to like release uh, patches and, and so forth, is democracy. Because everything up until that, uh, it was awful. I, uh, the structure of the code is, is, is terrible. It's messy, it's, it's badly documented, it's badly structured, it's, you know, it's, it's just dire. And okay. to be honest, I didn't learn much about that at Elixir. I mean, they were all fresh from university. Uh, okay. very so it wasn't, but, like, you know. it wasn't like you were around game fanatics or people who were like totally into games and game design. And, and it was well, just more of a formal, like they were formal programmers and you're working to finish a game. Yeah, I mean, it that that makes it sound a little bit, um, a little bit kind of technical and professional. I mean, it, it really wasn't. Oh, okay. uh, you know, I mean, they were crazy about games, passionate about games. It was a very weird place um, to work, and, and just fantastic. I mean, if you haven't worked yeah. at a games company, um, you know, a proper big games company, it, it it's got to be done because the environment is is, is relaxed. I mean, no one's. No one's wearing a suit. I mean, no one's wearing shoes, um, literally. And at lunchtime, everyone's playing games. And uh, but what was weird there is everyone would play games at lunchtime as you do and after work. But they they play all kinds of games, not just computer games. People would play poker and they 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 play go and chess and stuff cool. like this. Uh, Although one guy there was actually, he did make a living for a few years playing poker in Vegas. So I'd, why anyone played him at poker, I just don't understand. And he would always win. Okay, awesome. Um, so during that time, what, what game were you working on next for your uh, indie game? Uh, for my stuff? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I did, uh, I did these two racing games. I did... A, a, a fairly dire um, kind of asteroids clone game. Um, I did a game that was a bit like Minesweeper. That, that okay. was just rubbish. I don't know why I did that. That was that was silly. Um, I I must have coasted for quite a while, um, right right through the end of Elixir and through most of Lionhead, and and until I really started doing Democracy, which is the last game that I finished. Okay. Which I, which I did when I was at Lionhead. Oh, uh, really? Cool. Unless there's oh. any lawyers listening, in which case I, I did it after I left. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other question is, is that along that time, I mean, the whole internet gaming community was really kind of getting more established, you know, especially indie game development, and I mean, yeah. there were finally forums, and I don't know if uh, game dev was around at that time. I mean, yeah. it, it was probably around kind of at that time, but when you were first doing your uh, your initial 1998 thing, I'm not sure how 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 big the game dev community was. But it, it was very it was very small. Okay, uh, you know there was it, it was trivially small in comparison with now. You know, you had to buy books. You had to buy a book on this kind of stuff, and then you'd learn whatever was in the book. You know, so there was no book on doing this kind of a game. So that was just okay. <laughs> well, did you did you actively search for internet communities while you were at Elixir? I mean, or was it more like, okay, I'm just still doing this on the side. There's probably no forums or community out there. Well, I I think I'd I'd really been badly burned, I think, from this horrible experience of quitting my job, a really good job, 
yeah. um, and thinking, I'm going to make it an independent game development. Um, and it all going horribly wrong. So I was kind of not wanting to, to do that. I kind of resigned myself to the fact that that wouldn't really work. Okay. Um, so, so I was kind of throwing myself into, in, into the job. And I was relatively young and naive. And I, you know, you work for these games companies and they say, you know, we're going to sell a million copies of this. Awesome. And you're all going to be rich. And you think, yeah. And then awesome. it completely fails. And you leave and work for another company. And they say, oh, it's going to sell even more millions of copies. And, you know, you're going to be even more rich. You think, wow. But I think you only go through it twice and then you think, no, that's... <laughs> This is ridiculous, you know. Um, so okay. it, it took me a while to get over the fact that, that I'd, kind of, I'd failed at it the first time. I'd, I'd, quit, I'd quit my day job to go indie and it didn't work. Okay. Um, so it took a hell of a lot to make me do it again. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you're at Elixir, and then um, so you leave Elixir, and yeah. uh, you, go, you go to Lionhead. Yeah. Was there any game development in between, like indie game development? In yeah, I, actually, time? yes. I wrote one game. <laughs> oh, awesome. um, it was. It didn't take long. Um, that was Planetary Defense, which I oh, thought cool. was. I thought that was great. I thought, you know, this is such a great idea for a game, and you you, you have an idea and, and you like you mock it up in, in like a weekend, and you play it and you think, wow, this is going to be so cool, and I, I put loads of effort into it. And I thought it was going to be great. And I thought it looks fantastic, and uh, nobody bought it. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it, it sold. I mean, it, it went on, um, went on Real Arcade, and, and it, you know, it did sell. Um, and in the short term, it it was great. But uh, but looking back on it, it's not. It, it's a game loads of people play, and they think is is fun. And there's a okay. lot of this. Um, the game's great. I love it. It's fun. We play it a lot, but they won't buy it. Um, and I, I kind of learned a lot from doing that, that it's not enough to make a game that looks good. It's not enough to make a game that, that's, that's fun or that people like or that they talk about. If you want to live on it, you know, it has to be all that. But they've actually got to pay for it. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of styles of games people won't pay for, okay. which is a, a bit shocking if you've spent a lot of effort on them. Well, the other question is... is um... You kind of infer that you were doing prototyping. So, in your previous games, did you prototype the gameplay or any of that stuff, or was it more like, okay, I'm just going to make this game, that's it? Yeah, I, I, I just, I just start coding, really. Um, I do have quite a few games that I've just started and they haven't gone anywhere. Okay. Um, I've, I, I've got dozens actually. Um, all kinds of silly ideas. A game where you would kind of buying and selling houses. So I, did, um, I actually had a, a game where you ran an office. Um, oh, cool. Uh, all, kind, all kinds of games. And the games that I end up with are never anything like them when I start. Uh, I mean, Planetary Defense actually was. I, I oh, had an idea and I did it. But uh, Starlines Inc., which became Starship Tycoon, that that was meant to be a space combat game, and, it, and it, it's not. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and my racing games were meant to be space combat games as well. I don't know what happened there. Um, they ended up in, in racing games. And, and democracy wasn't meant to be what it was either. That was you, it, that was going to be a bit more like uh, Imperium Galactica. Oh. Uh, and it gradually turned into... I don't know how this happened. You just, uh, 
have to start coding. And, and they're all called stupid things. None of my games, if I look in, in, in like my, my uh, like directory structure on my PC, none of them are called what they're called. I mean, it's like okay. Starship Tycoon is, is window app, and uh, Rocky Racers is D3DX test app. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're all, all called things like this. Democracy is called government. Kudos is called Milo. They're all called something different because when I start them, I've got, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm making it up as I go along. Okay, cool. Now, um, so going back to the realization that uh, basically you can have a great game, a game that is mm. fun to play, a game that people even talk about, but they won't pay for it, mm. and that you need to cater your games towards some specific audience. Now, I think around that time, um, were you were you ever on the Dexterity forum? Was was that? Oh the yeah. Because yeah, um, I yeah. was wondering if you got caught into the whole puzzle craze or some of these <laughs> other types of uh, game things. Well, after, so, after this, so, yeah, I mean, I did one. I I did a game called uh, Minefield. It's called. I mean, it's rubbish. It's 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 Minesweeper, but with particle effects. You know, I mean, it's another okay. like game mode to it. But it's dire. I mean, you won't even find it on my website. There's probably a, probably still links to it. And uh, I did sell a, a copy a few months ago, which just amazed me. Um, but I, I don't like puzzle games. Um, I think they're okay, uh, but I won't sit and play them for ages. And you, you can't make a game that you don't want to play. <laughs> you really can't, because you spend hours going through the thing. And, yeah. and the better you want to be at it, the more you have to be prepared to sort of say, okay, I'm going to do a playthrough now and I'm going to play the game for four hours or whatever. And, yeah. and if I'm really sick of it then, then obviously, you know, we're doomed. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if you're doing a game that, you know, a lot of people are trying to do like casual games for, for like housewives and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's, that's fine, I guess, but you've got to really like what you're doing because um, it, it really shows, I think, I tried it once, and I made the worst game that, that I have made, um, and it didn't make any money. Um, so okay. you've got to do what you like, I think. Okay, so so you did this game, and um, was this while you were at Lionhead then? Uh, the, the Minesweeper thing. Um, yeah. I think it was, because uh, possibly it was, because uh, my boss, the, the, the lead programmer, uh, Used to take the Mickey out of it a lot, um, so yeah, it must it must have been there. He thought it was quite funny. I think that I'd, you know, I'd written this little game, and it is quite okay. funny. But uh, yeah, well, that was a linehead. After you released that and it didn't do so well, were you just sick of the indie game scene? Or what, <laughs> what were you thinking? Because because I think around that time people were like, oh, you can make so much money doing puzzle games or this or that. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't get too caught up in it, really. I mean, okay. you know, I had a job. Um, it, it was. You, you always get jaded about these things the, the longer you stay in any in any job. But it was quite a. It was a very good job. I, you know, I was I was a senior programmer um, doing AI uh, for like original IP at, at Lionhead. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. pretty good job. So it wasn't like I was screaming to get out of there. And like, oh, you know, okay. I, I must make a quick few bucks so I can, I can quit my job. So, so, you know, I, I was, I was okay for money and all that. So, it was fine for me to to do whatever I wanted to, um, and that's how I ended up writing Democracy. I mean, I, I, 
Awesome. You know, I, I just made the kind of game that I, I thought would be cool. Um, and it, it turned out fantastically for me. Cool. Um, when you think of uh, Lionhead, um, I try not was to. that <laughs> oh well well the question is is more like when you first started did it have that kind of big presence of like wow this is like the big time or was it just another game programming job for you no well it no I was quite in awe I was really excited um, I mean, you always are you know before I worked in, in proper game development the, the companies I wanted to work for um, were Lionhead um, Maxis Ensemble um, and, and Elixir and I got a job at Elixir um, and I was kind of in awe of that and then uh, okay. you know, when I left that I got a job at Lionhead so I thought wow you know I'm kind of completing this you know working through my list here um, and I have done some work for Maxis as well since then oh. um, and I, I kind of went off Ensemble because I, I you know they, they uh, I don't think uh, they're quite what they used to be, but um, yeah, I mean, I was totally in, in awe. I mean, you're working for, you know, uh, for Peter Molyneux, who's <laughs> who's interesting. <laughs> but at, at the time, you know, it's like, wow, this is, uh, you know, I played Populous, you know, when it came out, and uh, that's amazing. And now I work for the guy, and we're, we're talking about game design, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, I was in awe of it at, at the start. Okay. Was the I guess when you were there, was the game design, I mean, like, compared to Elixir, was there anything really big or different or any huge realization that you got from working at Lionhead? Well, there was... Or was it the same stuff? No, it was it's, it was very different. Um, it, it was quite opposite to, to Elixir, because Elixir was a load of uh, really keen gamers who all had great qualifications, but no experience or not okay. much experience, which was a disaster. Um, to be honest, and they, you know, they did admit that. Um, whereas Lionhead uh, was kind of the opposite to some extent. There's loads of people with loads of experience who, you know, worked on all these bullfrog games and and gone with Peter to start Lionhead, and um, loads of experience, uh, passionate about games and all that. But on the software development front, there's, you know, it's not especially, not especially good. Um, you know, some people there were, were very, very organised, very good, and very professional. Um, but I think the whole of whole of game development is just filled with kind of hackers. Um, you know, people that kind of do it their way. It, yeah, exactly. It's it, it's it's hard to, to to kind of talk about it politely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I learned a massive amount. Um, at Lionhead, because um, my immediate boss, uh, the, the, the lead coder for what I was working on, was was brilliant, and and I just learned tons of stuff. Um, not so much like technical stuff. People get obsessed about um, I've got this algorithm to do this and whatever, but just a lot about how to be more professional as a developer and how to be organised and uh, and and do things properly. And I, I I learned a lot about that while I was at Lionhead. Okay. Well, what would you say are the top three things that you would that you took away from Lionhead, from the Lionhead experience? Oh, oh God. Oh dear. Um, I think to to do it properly the first time, <laughs> oh, okay. um, to not kind of just hack it in, um, <laughs> because there's there's you know, there is a lot of that. 
that, especially when you're working on your own, you don't have to justify your code to anyone. You know? Yeah. Um, you think no one's going to see this. It's fine. They don't need to know how bodged it is. Um, but I kind of took away from that that, that you know, you've got to have your code uh, kind of done properly. You've got to test the stuff. You know, it's, it's got to... Okay. It, it, it's got to make sense, and then there was, you know, there was some some, some technical stuff there, but it, it was more of an attitude, I think, um, than anything else, and just a lot of experience because we worked on a, we wrote tons of code. It was a massive project, um, okay. and the, the experience of, of just debugging something that big uh, was was very interesting. Cool. Now, did you do any game design stuff at Lionhead, or was it mostly programming? Nobody does any. No. Um, <laughs> well, oh, there's a topic. Um, it, we sort of made it up as we went along. It, it was very weird because you've got this superstar game designer who's yeah. world famous, but he's never working on that project because they, you know, they were doing Fable, they were doing Black and White, they were doing the movies, they were doing Top Secret Project. Um, okay. So. That's the kind of like big picture thing. Yeah, you, you have game designers coming saying, oh, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. But kind of like at, at the cold face where you've got to think, well, how, how do we do this? Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of opportunity for us to kind of like kind of make it up as, uh, as we went along. And we did contribute quite a lot. Most of what um, we contributed design-wise got thrown away. <laughs> oh. Um, in fact, I, I think if I had to take anything away from Linehead when you were saying, you know, what other things would you learn from there? It's that game development is massively inefficient. Um, <laughs> unbelievably that, inefficient. Well, is that because you have to try so many things to find something that works, or it's just that people are totally inexperienced with uh, the, the well, software engineering aspect? Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, <laughs> they're also terribly badly paid, so not especially okay. bothered. Um you know, in, in, in terms of, of, of working hard. So, so morale can, can, can sort of sap it. Um, but also there's this thing that because you've got a huge team, um, if you're designing a game and you're thinking, we're going to do this, and you've got 100 people working on it, uh, and you know, massive studio, incredible expenses, and yeah. you can work on something for six months, and then they go, that, it's really not going to work, is it? It doesn't, it's not going to work. So that's a hundred people working, but that's thirty man years. You know, it's yeah. absolutely insane, and that happens a lot. Uh, you know, it's, I've seen it happen. I've only worked for two big two big games companies um, as an employee, and they, they both did it a lot. So you know, I think the majority. So, so of they would start. They would start on the project, and then maybe six months into it, say, "Okay, this isn't going to work." Yeah, or or years, or two years. Or beyond, well, you know. My my question is is did they have a decent game design before they started or was it more like, okay, well this is what we're gonna do. We'll figure out the game design on our way to finishing it. I I, I think it's I think Lionhead was more like that. It's like let's do a game like this and then, you know, as they go along they kind of uh, kind of design it. Um Elixir, I think they designed stuff more up front, they had a proper design document, they knew what it would be like and the technology was their undoing. Because um, when you said we've got an infinite polygon, and you know you, you can't a few years later say, 
No, we haven't. <laughs> You've got to make it work. I mean, they didn't make it work. Okay. But, um, but even the design doc, was that based on a prototype, or was it just like, okay, this is the spec for the whole thing? Well, uh, everyone, the thing is, everyone knows how you're supposed to do it. You know, you're supposed to come up with an idea, you do a design doc, you do a prototype, you play it, is it fun? Okay, it is. It should be, actually, it's the other way around. It should be a prototype and then design doc. Well, well, but you're supposed to have at least one of these things before you employ okay, a number yeah, of people. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's that, a good you know, that, that, that's the thing. But the way the way big companies work is, you know, they've got a hundred people, so yeah. um, they better start doing something. And the whole system's broken because if you don't, if you're not ready for those hundred people to, to do whatever it is, then you you have to get them doing something. And the end result of that is, is most of the work they do at the start is thrown away, um, which obviously upsets everyone. No one likes that. Uh, I mean, ideally, what you do, what you do is you, you'd have a little team, a small little team, doing your prototype, and you know when you needed a hundred animators or whatever, yeah, um, you'd get them. But the, the whole employment system, you know, it's not how it should be, which is like the movies. Um, you know, you've got these people on the payroll, so you, you better get them churning out something and we'll hope it will still make it into the game um, it's a completely suicidal way to to make anything um, and I learned that from from being a part of it and seeing money just burning you know completely wasted for, for so long and I, I think I found it quite encouraging because <laughs> I, I, I thought you know these companies are all just about still in business and uh, they all seem to be the same you know they're all just as bad as each other and i thought yeah i could do better than this you know if, if i just cut out famous, all of this uh, starting words, <laughs> starting words yeah so, yeah that's so, absolutely so, yeah so you start on this idea of democracy then at lionhead right yeah yeah and um i guess uh walk me i guess what inspired you to do that and uh walk me through the whole uh development cycle oh. process well it it, it was weird. Um, originally, it, it, it was you were gonna you were gonna govern like a planet or a system of, of planets. You were like some space emperor, and you had to keep cool. all your people happy. Um, and there's some of this in Imperium Galactica, but it's very abstracted. And I wanted it to be more hands-on. And I, I kind of did little mock-ups of that and started that. And then I thought it'd be better with one planet. Um, and then I thought, no, maybe just a country. And then I thought, well, why not, why not a real country? Um, and, uh, you know, so it kind of gradually evolved from this big space conquest kind of game into, like, a, a fairly geeky political simulation. Um, but the whole thing is actually built around a, a technical premise. Because um, I was reading a book by the guy, Steve Grand, who did Creatures, and okay. he's trying to make an artificially intelligent chimpanzee for a book about this. And um, in, in, in kind of reading about this and, and reading about how, how he sees the brain working, I, I was thinking, you know, you could model a country like this, you, just like a human brain with a neural network. Um, yeah. And I thought, what an interesting thing to do, I thought. So I, so I, you know, I, just, I just did it. And um, it, it seemed to work perfectly. Uh, I, I was okay. just kind of really happy with the way pretty much everything in democracy is is it's all part of the same thing the, the code is uh interesting because it's um 
It's a neural network. That game's a neural network with an interface on top of it, basically. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, well, while you were developing this, did you just have constant prototypes? What, um, I guess, like, what was the design process from the uh, prototype or development point of view? And how long did it take to actually make this? It, it didn't take that long. I think it took seven months, something okay. like that. Um, I mean, once the the system was in place uh, and and it worked, there was a there was a lot of debugging and a lot of getting the system to work. But, yeah. but because the whole game is basically the same, fairly complicated system, I, I guess. Um, when it works, the whole game works. And if there's no bug in the system, then there's no bug in the game. Theoretically, I mean, yeah, there's always little bugs. But cool. it, it wasn't like you know I'm working on the AI and then that's done and then I've got to do the sound and then I've got to do, you know it was like pretty much the whole game was one system. Um, okay. So it, it wasn't like an incremental development thing. It, it was kind of like wrestling this tiger sort of to the ground and then when he was there, that was it. It's done. Um, which is very different to how you know how to how most games are done. But it was quite straightforward. I mean, I, I had the system in place, and whenever I thought there was a little bit missing from it, I'd I'd add a new system on top, but it, it used the same structure. Uh, it's very hard to explain without getting really cody and geeky about it. Um, okay. Did yeah. you um, did you have a lot of people playing it while you were developing it, or did you wait until after you considered it finished and then actually had beta testers or? What was the process with that? I, I did. I had a few testers, but really a trivial number of testers. It's like half a dozen or something, which I know is unusual um, because a lot of people have like a hundred beta testers or two hundred, like indie developers. Obviously, the big developers have yeah. millions of them. Um, and I, I didn't know if anyone was going to buy this. And were your what were your testers saying about it? Because it wasn't like. It isn't like a normal indie game. No, no, it's it's really not. It's it, it's it's very strange. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, they were they were pretty pretty positive about it, but, but I had no idea that it would do as as well as it has done and still does. It's, it's complete okay. complete shock, really. Um, and I think subconsciously, I was kind of thinking, okay, if I have like six beta testers, you know, they might expect a free copy and. <laughs> You know, that's six sales I haven't got. It, I mean, it's pathetic now looking back on you know, it's, it's sold thousands. But you know, at the time, there's this part of you sort of thinking, uh, you know, maybe I should just keep it half a dozen. <laughs> it's silly, really. Um, okay. Hmm. Um, so you released this game, and uh, are, are you still at Lionhead when you released the game? Yes. Yeah, naughty okay. me. Yeah, yeah. No, not, nothing wrong with it. I'm just wondering if your <laughs> boss actually liked this game more than the previous game, or if he even got to see it. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was quite surprised, I think, that, that you know you can do a game like that all on your own, um, especially in your spare time, knowing that you know, I'm, I'm doing my work and everything, so you don't yeah. have that much spare time anyway. Um, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of people there were very appreciative of it. Uh, I think the the only the only moment where it, it it was really a bit embarrassing was we had a journalist come to Lionhead to look at the stuff we were working on, and he happened to be a journalist that had reviewed Democracy and given it a great review. Oh, really? Uh, so cool. I, so I was kind of showing him the uh, the movies, 
and I, I realise he's this guy, and I sort of say, oh, uh, you reviewed a game of mine. <laughs> uh, you know, and th th thanks, he gave me a great view. He's a bit stunned, saying, oh my God, you know, I didn't realise, you know, you did that, like, in your spare time. And wow. and that was fine. But when he wrote the the kind of, the article about Lionhead and was going on, he mentions this <laughs> in the article, and I, I was a bit worried because I thought, this is not going to go down well at all. <laughs> this is meant to be a big puff piece for Lionhead, and and suddenly there's this reference to how one of the coders on it has found time at the weekends to knock up his own game. Um, but I, I didn't really get told off about it. So, uh, okay. but it was a bit strange. It's a bit of a strange situation to be in. Cool. Um, so you released the game. Uh, what what happens in the first week? Or um, did you did you do anything different marketing wise, or some of these other yeah. things based on the learning experiences of yeah. the past? Yeah, I, I did. Um, you know, I, I I paid to have a press release sent sent out to of many people. Um, was this the first time that you paid for a press release? It, I think it was. I think it okay. was. Yeah. Cool. Um, and a, a guy I know did a, a banner advert, a flash banner advert for me, which is absolutely fantastic. Awesome. And um, it really is a fantastic, it's the best advert I've ever seen. And so I advertised, and uh, I, and it had the most ridiculously high click-through rate on this this banner ad. And oh, okay. um, the conversion rate for the game was, was incredibly high. It, 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 was, it was like sort of 8%. Uh, it, it's gone up and down. It kind of varies. Yeah. But, um, it started selling quite quickly um, after after it was released. It got some very very good reviews. Uh, okay. you know, it was in magazines where they'd review it higher than some game that had taken like forty awesome. people two years and 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 cost a million dollars. And then there's my game. And it gets a bit. And I thought, wow, you know, that's that, that's pretty good. Um, and when it won the Game Tunnel uh, Sim Game of the Year, that uh, that really kicked it off. I mean, it just sold a ridiculous number, um, okay. and I, I thought this is this is crazy because at that point I was, um, I just left Lionhead then. But for the last few months at Lionhead, I was earning more from Democracy than I was from my day job. Awesome. Um, so I was, so I was, I was doing. I mean, I bought a new car. You know, I mean, I was, uh, I was <laughs> thinking this fantastic. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't motivate you much at work because the smallest thing that gets on your on your nerves at work, you know, you kind of sat there thinking, I don't have to put up with this. I could quit tomorrow, um, which isn't healthy, <laughs> really. Yeah. But well, did you? Um, so once it started selling, were you? Um, so you're in state of awe. Um, are you thinking yeah. about? going full-time again? I mean, you did have that experience before. Yeah. What's, what's on your mind? Well, I, I guess I did want to do it. I did want to, to quit. Um, even in my interview at Lionhead, three years before that, um, Peter had said to me, I suspect you just want to uh, be here for a few years and then start your own company. And I remember saying to him, no, no, you've got that all wrong. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how I... Manage that because uh, because it's, you know that's the way it turned out, but um, yeah, I, I I did want to leave and I was quite, I was I was persuaded to stay because I'd been on this same project for two years and it, it was coming towards okay. the end and it seemed it seemed silly to like leave just before the end because yeah. 
you know, again, this was going to be a huge smash hit game, going to make millions, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to... They persuaded me to stay to the end of that. Um, but, I mean, financially, from a business sense, I could, I could have left. Um, I could have left a lot earlier. Uh, okay. But, but that, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, you know, it's there's no, there's no point in thinking, oh, I should have left earlier or, or oh, anything yeah. like that. And well, I, I, once... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I, towards the end of this, I got kind of tracked down by Maxis, um, who said, uh, do you want to do some work for us? And then, <laughs> like I said, there's still my like, list of oh, companies I'd love to work with. <laughs> um, and the only reason I haven't like applied for a job at Maxis is they're in America, I'm in the UK, and it's just not going to work. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, uh, we want to do some, we want, like, a prototype um, for kind of what you'd do with The Sims if, if it was kind of up to you. Um, and I thought, wow, uh, I can't do that. I'm a lion. And I said to them, I can't do that. I'm, a, I'm actually a lionhead. Um, but then eventually I, I, I quit lionhead and I said, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll do that. So I went straight from my day job into a guaranteed contract. Um, oh, okay. Only for a few months. But uh, Did they... Um... Did they find you through democracy, or was it some other? Well, I presumed that, but no, uh, through through Starship Tycoon, which was Starlines Inc. We oh. badged and we done. So for my second game, effectively. Awesome. Um, and it wasn't just me. There, there was there was I think two other guys. I don't know. I still to this day don't know who these other guys are. But they kind of picked three indie developers and uh, and uh, kind of like paid them to do some some prototype work, which was which was fantastic fun. Um, oh, cool! But yeah, it was great to be approached, and, and that made it really easy. Um, firstly, because I had some guaranteed money, um, yeah, which wasn't too much of a, a problem. But but also, it was like uh, it was like a big famous company coming to you and saying, "We want your game design ability," you know. So that's a huge like puff to your ego when you think, "My God, I am good at game design, aren't I? <laughs> I could uh, I could leave and, and, and be successful." Um, but uh, yeah, that kind of thinking always ends in complete bankruptcy, I'm sure. But uh, but they, it made it very easy to leave Lionhead. Okay, so so now you're doing this thing full time. I mean, what what are you thinking, and uh, what's your strategy then at that point to actually make this uh, a huge success? <laughs> um, well, the way I see it, you know, if I can do a game that does as well as Democracy every year. Uh, I'm laughing, you know. I, I can I can live off that quite happily. I mean, not okay. mega riches, but yes, you know, I can I can live on that. And I, you know, I, it's not like I'm on my own, and I I have, I have kids to, uh, you know, like pay for and everything. So I, I don't actually need to make a huge amount of money, even though I'm in the UK, which is a, the most suicidal place. I, I'm in one of the most expensive places to live in one of the most expensive countries on the planet. So it's absolutely ridiculous to to be an indie gamer in the UK. Um, but, but having said that, you know, I don't have to I don't have to make kind of mega bucks to to get away from it. So I'm just going to try and keep doing kind of games like Democracy, as far as I can see. But anyone that looked at my next game would say this is what this is nothing like democracy. But but okay. to me to me it's it's the same. I'm making exactly the games I want to make because um, awesome. that's how it, it, 
I had success. So uh, to me, that works. You, you make what you, what you really like and make it so that it's exactly what you want. And the chances are there's a few thousand other people exactly like you. Yeah. Okay. Are you, like, now when you're doing this full-time, do you spend, like, what percent of your time is spent marketing? What percent of your time is spent doing development or R&D or um, whatever mm. else is necessary? I guess, well, I do all my own art as well. Um, oh, wow. Which is, a, uh, well, I, I call it art, um, which is a bit unusual. So, um, so some time is spent doing that and, and learning how to do that. Um, I'd, I'd say about a third of the time is spent kind of on marketing and, and business stuff and, and, uh, and kind of supporting the older games because now lots of people play Democracy and they're all doing mods for it. And oh, awesome. um, a lot of people play Starship Tycoon and uh, there's a lot of bugs in that game. <laughs> so um, there's all this like legacy stuff that I have to do uh, all these emails to deal with you know, before each day, before I even get to look at a line of code. Um, okay. And of course, then the, you know, there's there's all the artwork. But I, I guess it's maybe only a third of the time I'm actually writing code, or or or, or debugging, um, or even design work. The rest of it is art, and it's uh, all the business side. Okay. Wow. Um. In terms of marketing, is it just straight up Google AdWords, or because you have such a targeted niche, um, well, do you do anything, or have I, you tried anything? I've tried everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, everything, everything. Um, it, it's taken me, I don't know, eight years, I guess, from when I, I started doing this, to work out what marketing is. Um, but the problem is you can't explain it, I don't think. Because it's oh, you can't. Because I was going to ask you what you think <laughs> marketing is now. It's it's more like a state of mind. I think it's okay. it's it's really hard to explain. But um, you have to do all the other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I spend a lot of money on Google AdWords. I spend money on on banner adverts and blog adverts, and that's what most people think marketing is. I send out press releases and and review copies of the game to uh, uh, to websites and uh, to magazines. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that, and you've just got to kind of uh, think of weird stuff. Um, I mean, I sent so many emails and so many copies of Democracy to politicians in the UK. Oh, um, awesome! Tons of them. Um, it didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> it didn't get me anywhere at all. Um, and I was just thinking, one of them will like this, and yeah. you know, something will happen. Um, that didn't work at all. But I didn't know that, and I. I sent a load out to uh, politics teachers, and you know one of them loved it, recommended it to all his students. I think everyone at like a higher university doing politics just bought it, you know. Oh, um, cool. And that that doesn't cost anything. It just costs finding out who you know who are these politics lecturers who might be interested, emailing them, talking to them. Um, but th there's loads of really kind of weird stuff. Uh, you have to be really shameless, I think, about plugging. Your, what creator? Well, if it, both. If it's always in your mind, it's kind of it's kind of easy. I mean, there were, there's uh, there was a newspaper column um, in the UK where someone asked questions, 
and then people always write in with their suggestions. And and someone had written saying that my son wastes all his all his money on computer games, and uh, how can I get him to spend it on something that isn't going to ruin his education? So so I wrote. <laughs> so obviously I write a letter saying, well, there were some very educational computer games. You know, you, you can't assume that. For example, www.democracygame.com, and it gets printed. Um, awesome. You know it. I don't know. Did I sell any games from that? I probably sold a few. I don't know, um, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't kind of cost you anything. It it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hurt to try, you know. But but you can't yeah. teach someone that. If so, if someone's doing a game with like you know roller skating elves uh, or whatever, you know, obviously that doesn't necessarily work. But I don't know. Go yeah, a exactly. company that makes roller skates. Uh, you know, you have to be really creative. But that kind of stuff really works, I think. Um, you have to be used to the fact that 99% of the people you email and who you ask to plug your product will just ignore you. Uh, okay. But who cares? Well, you talked about sending press releases. Do you then send press releases like every six months or something? Or is it, um, I, I guess, like what's the strategy there? I know, I know some people do that. They kind of find an excuse to always do it. Um, I, ha I haven't sent a press release out for um, for democracy for for a long time. Um, okay. What I would do is to kind of like add something big to the game. Um, I added like a U.S. Congress thing to it, or I do something very different to the game and and, and really improve it. And then you send out a press release. It's it's you know oh, okay. completely different all the rest of it. Um, but I think it's quite difficult, and, and you can tell when you read some news sites, you read a press release on a game that's not finished yet or, or came out years ago, and you sort of think, that's just an excuse to send out a press release. It's quite blatant. Um, so it, can, it can be quite difficult, but um, okay. there's always opportunities. You, you can always find someone who's never heard of your game, uh, who's willing yeah. to, to take a look at it and maybe promote it. I still get review, new reviews for Democracy, which is a year old now. The, oh. Um, you know, they've never heard of the game, and I've come across a website that I've never heard of before. And if that's the case, and it's vaguely connected to games or politics or whatever, I'll make sure they get their copy on my game. Uh, oh, okay. You know, you've now, just got to do um, Cool. Now, VG Smart has uh, suggested that <coughs> you uh, keep a close relationship with game editors and stuff like that. Is that something yeah. that you do? Do you, I mean, because it, it doesn't sound like you did that for your earlier games, and I was wondering if you actually no. did that. I, I, I'm, I'm better at it now. Um, I, I didn't beforehand. I'd wait for some journalist to find one of my games. I mean, yeah, that's never going to happen, you know, especially not now. But now I do, yeah. I, I, I find journalists that I think like the kind of games I like, and I'll email them and, and, and be totally honest about it and say that I'm a bloke, you know, sat in his living room writing games, but, you know, here's what do you think. Now I, I, I'm an ex-Lionhead coder, which always sounds, I guess, better. <laughs> Elite. You know, yeah. Okay. Um, so that kind of gets you in the door a little bit. Uh, but most of us are quite, we're not very good at that, especially if you actually have to meet someone or talk to them on the phone or anything. Yeah, that's like, yeah. oh, it's a fear. Um, well, that's, that's another good question. It's like now that you're doing this all alone, I mean, do you have like a community of friends or game developers around your area where you just constantly meet with them or talk with them, or or how well, does that go? I mean, I you know I still talk to a, a lot of the Lionhead people, but um, who I see now and then. 
because I, I live quite near Guildford in, in the UK, which is where all of the game development originally was, um, and Lionhead's like 20 minutes away. So, uh, so I still, I still stay in touch with a lot of, a lot of Lionhead people and people that have left Lionhead to start their own companies. Because quite a few people have done that. Um, oh. But uh, but it is a very. It, it was funny listening to one of uh, one of the other uh, podcasts that uh, it is a very lonely thing. Because yeah, it, it can be. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not even interrupted by by children. I'm interrupted by a cat now and then. Um, <laughs> you know, and th- that's it. So it's fortunately a friend of mine also works from home with a completely unrelated business, and and my only social, my only guaranteed social thing each week is is uh, to go and. Uh, do archery <laughs> um, oh, okay. once a week, but it, it's quite weird working for yourself on your own. You find yourself like you know talking to the postman or whatever. It's like just someone to talk to. It's it's, it's quite yeah. weird. Okay, um, so now now you've got democracy going, and you've kind yeah. of hinted at some of your upcoming games. What's what's the development cycle like, and what's the uh, release schedule like? Um, well, I've been doing a game since the start of the year, basically, um, which is Kudos, and it's very hard to explain. It's kind of like a turn-based, 2D, menu-driven version of The Sims. It's okay. nothing like The Sims, but, uh, it, but it's a life sim, and it, it, the only life sim most people know um, is, is The Sims. So it's, it's kind of like that. Uh, it, it's very uh, very hard game to design. Uh, massively difficult to design um, because you, if there's there's no example to copy. Um, the same as democracy, really. And yeah. I'm coming to the end of that now. I think it's uh, I think it's in pretty good shape, and uh, probably another two months, and it should it should be released. It has to be released um, <laughs> in September or August. Uh, okay. Basically, because and and this isn't this is a thing that a lot of indie developers will will kind of I don't know maybe identify with. Um, I'm going to go away on holiday, and that's terrible because you're away from your business, and yeah. you, c- you can't deal with anything. And if anything goes wrong, you'll get customer emails, so you can't possibly go away just after you've released a game. Absolute disaster. So if you have a holiday booked, which is the first thing you do, you come home, you put a suitcase down, and you check your emails. It's it's really sad. Um, but uh, I need to make sure that my my game's on sale and everything's okay, and I've done a patch for it if I need a patch, and and it's all okay before I, I go on holiday. So so I actually have a deadline, which is bizarre, but but, but I do have one. Okay, cool. Um, let's see what. Uh, are do you work on the same game or the same game? Or one game at a time, or do you work on multiple games at the same time? What's what's the strategy for that? Well, when you've got a lot of games that are already out there, um, you're always having to, to patch stuff. Uh, or well, I mean, you should be. You know, if if someone finds a bug, you should you should patch it. And and sometimes it's nice for a break from your current game to, to work on something else. So I tend to go back to the game just beforehand, um, and and like tweak it or improve it. Or you learn a new thing, you get a new technique or whatever, and you think that would make this so much better. So I'm never working on two games at a time, but I, I'm working on a game, and then occasionally I'll just tweak the one before. Uh, but I think it's insane to actually have two projects going at exactly the same time. 
especially if they're the kind of size of the project that I work on now, which is pretty pretty big for one guy, really. Cool. Um, anything? So now you've been doing this for eight years. Um, yeah. I guess what 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 are the uh, like top five realizations that you've had that just you wish you would have known when you first started? Oh, right. Interesting. Um, that you've got to be well. Some of the things that I kind of mentioned, you've got to be a proper software developer. That there's a bit of a uh, kind of gunslinger approach to to programming that a lot of games coders have. That they, you know we're really cool and we're going to sort of do this cool hack, but that won't work. You know you've got to learn to be a proper software developer. Um, okay. That's a key thing. That was a surprise, <laughs> I think. Um, another realization is you can make you can make money. You 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 can do well at it. You can live off it. Even doing somewhere expensive, you know, you can uh, you can make a nice living from it, uh, because a lot of people are doom and gloom now, and everyone yeah, can, it's it's trendy now, isn't it? It's like oh, it's you know, you won't make any money, um, but it, it it can be done. It might take you a long time, um, you know that that that's that's the, the kind of uh, aside to that. It, it, you know, my first games didn't make a lot of money. I mean, Democracy's made more in, well, it makes more in a month than my first games would make in, like, a year or something, you know. Cool. And you've got to have a hit, but it, it, will take you, it might take you a while. Um, and one realisation, I, I think, is that you, you've got to be a self-publicist, I, th I think. Um, it, it's no good, like, just disappearing into the crowd... Uh, because yeah. the press want the press want a story, you know. And I, I learned this working at Lionhead and at Elixir. Yeah. But, because I mean, who, who are Elixir? They're just a bunch of geeks. It doesn't mean anything. But you know, they're founded by this this uh, this guy with an interesting name, Demis Hassabis. Has Has Can't even say it. Okay. Um, who's like you know world chess champion when he was eight or whatever. And that's the story. So you know, it's, that that's how the press. We're like drawn in, and they're drawn in with it's an infinite polygon engine. And they're drawn in, and then they look at the game. And I learned that at, at Linehead as well. Um, Peter Molyneux like that. This game is going to, you know, do everything. It's going to, you know, like hoover your stairs for you. It's it's, it's going to do the most amazing things. And uh, you know, he gets the press in there. Um, and and you have to do that. You have to uh, you have to kind of like go out of your way to. To, for there to be a story and and not to be too shy about it, you know. Okay. Um, I, I'm not especially good at that, not 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 at all. But um, nobody's going to write about a guy that just like you know sits in the corner and writes the most amazing video game ever. You know, you've <laughs> got to get out there and tell everyone and get in their face and kind of uh, like wave your arms, sort of metaphorically and and, uh, and point and say this game's fantastic. Um, it's a pity it's like that, but but it is. That's the reality. Cool. Um, any other realizations? That <laughs> um, that working working on your own is fantastic. Uh, not having a boss is, is amazing, and being able to take a laptop out into the sunshine and then just like, you know, just like lay down in the park and think, what cool features shall I code? It's fantastic, and it's worth putting up with all the nonsense that is required to get yourself into that position because 
everyone I know who's not running their own business, when you say, how's it going, you just get 20 minutes of how work sucks. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I used to do that. I used, that used to be me. Um, I, I could go for hours about it. Um, so it is absolutely fantastic to run your own business and to run your own games company, even if it's just you, is absolutely fantastic. And if you kind of waver on the way there and you're thinking, oh, it is really good and it's worth sticking it out. Okay. Do um, The other question I was going to ask is, like, in the UK, are people open to you being a game developer or are they just shocked that, you know, someone is actually making games on their own and selling them and making a nice living off of that? I th- I'm not sure if, it, if it's just a UK thing, but people people always assume you work for someone else. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's quite strange. Um, but, yeah, there is there is an assumption that... Uh, that uh, you work for someone else, and and that uh, if you if you own a company or run a company, then you must be rich. It goes without saying, and that there's kind of no in between. But I think what's bad about the UK in comparison with the US, um, this I kind of this reminds me of, of when I was uh, was a musician. A, a guy was saying to me that if in the UK you sort of go to your parents and say, oh, I'm going to learn the guitar and I'm going to, I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to be a success. They'll, they'll just like slap you in the head and say, don't be ridiculous, get a job in an office. Whereas in the US, it's, it's like, yeah, go for it. You too can be successful. Oh, really? No. And I think you got the... <laughs> is it the other way around, do you think? No, it's, it's the other way around. That's what we think about the UK. You're we kidding. That, oh. No, no. Okay. You are not Well, encouraged. that's cool. So, so it's a global oh. it's a global thing then. No, nobody yeah, exactly. ever expects. You know. But but that's the impression that people in the UK have of people in the US is that if you want to start <laughs> a company, you're like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the, some you know. in some parts of America, I'm sure that's true. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, anything else you want to say to the game development community? I, what I want to say is, I think it's amazing that that we've talked for so long. And I, I just pity people that have listened to this uh, for the full time. Well, you know, thanks thanks for um, walking us through the whole <laughs> experience. You know, I think it's cool that, you know, it wasn't necessarily someone who was like, okay, well, I want to do games at four years old. And no, just I want you to straight be a up, but Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's awesome. And um, anything else you want to say? Uh, I, I've spoken for, for far too long. Uh, well, all I would say is, is just make... Make the kind of games that you like. Um, you know, hey, look what happened to me. I made a game that everyone said, uh, everyone said you had to do a match three game or, or something like that. Don't use the right mouse button; that will confuse people. Um, you know, people want it simplistic. So I did a really complicated game that assumed you knew all about politics and had quotes from Gandhi and stuff in it. Uh, the most inaccessible game. Possible I like game. those quotes, by the way. Everyone loves the quotes. Every, people so hate fun. the game; they just like the quotes, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, I broke every single rule of accepted wisdom in indie game development, um, and it is sold fantastically. You know, it's uh, you know, it's still selling. Uh, so there are no rules, really. You you just gotta, you know, don't believe what everyone says. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Mr. Klipsky. I will uh, talk to you later. Take care. Bye.